The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Good morning. So I'd, I'd, like, um, I'd like it if you could all move into a kind of the semicircle again. And for those of you on the floor, I left some spaces so you can kind of move into the, the spaces. So last night at the, at the talk, I talked quite a bit about intention. I think many of you were here. Um, I just want to say a couple more words about that. Was there anybody not, not here last night? Okay, I'll, I'll refresh a little bit. And I do, some of this is in the, the handout on the, 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 the general, the daily life practice retreat handout. I have a section on intention and motivation in there. Um, so intention is a kind of an impulse. It's a neutral impulse that precedes. It's a mental impulse that precedes any action that we do whether it's an action of body, of speech, or of mind. And it's a subtle experience, but it basically points to the fact that we can know we're going to do something before we do it. So you can know you're going to move before you move, you can know you're going to speak before you speak, and it's even actually possible to know the mind is heading in a direction of a particular mental experience, You can know you're going to think before you think. You can know you're headed towards an emotion before that emotion is created. So it's it's a pretty subtle experience. Um, But it is possible with mindfulness to begin to see it. It's easiest to catch in in body experience. Um, It's... um, harder to catch in the, in the realm of the mental uh, world. So that, that mental impulse, that intention itself, is kind of a neutral, it is a neutral experience. It doesn't, it doesn't have any valence, it doesn't have any spin one way or the other. Actions um, you know, with an intention, the, the intention itself doesn't carry any kind of... Um, skillful or unskillful uh, direction. But accompanying every intention is a motivation that can be skillful or unskillful. So accompanying every intention that we make, there's either some intention of greed, aversion, or delusion, which is going to tend to head us towards struggle, suffering, stress, or some intention of non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion, which will tend to lead us away from suffering and stress. And we can think of those, those intentions of non-greed, non-aversion, non-delusion in the positive in terms of generosity, kindness and compassion, and wisdom, or clarity of mind. So non-greed being the motivation of generosity, uh, non-aversion being the motivation of kindness and compassion, and non-delusion being the motivation of clarity and wisdom. So last night I talked about this primarily with respect to speech, 
as I talked more about in more detail about speech. But I also want to point to where you can start to see this in daily life. Oh, first, before I do that, I'll just reiterate why it's so helpful to see this. Um, this moment before we act, the moment of intention, this moment is essentially it's a moment of choice. It's the moment where our mind, our mind has got the capacity where it is choosing to go in a particular direction, but in seeing that choice point, in seeing the intention arise, we can actually decide to not follow through on that intention or to follow through if it, if it seems to be motivated out of a wholesome intention. And so this point of seeing the intention of our actions is the place the Buddha pointed to as the kind of, I think of it as the linchpin of where our happiness or unhappiness resides. Because it is, in the moment, you know, in the moment is the only place we have the capacity to choose where to do something. How to, how to move forward, how to respond to this moment's experience. All of the choices from the past are over and done with. We can't change those. The, the choices of the future aren't here yet. We can't do anything about those. All that we can do is choose skillfully in this moment. So that being able to notice and see that moment of intention and the accompanying motivation is a very powerful place of practice. And, you know, typically people think about it because it's such a subtle thing. People think about it as being something that you'd only see in deep retreat or in um, sitting meditation. But we can see this in our daily lives. And one of the easiest places to see it in our daily lives is around bodily movement when we choose to take an action, when we choose to make a physical action. And this is why I suggested in your um, tasks, in the, in the thing that happens repetitively through the day, that you choose something that you initiate, that you, that you choose to do. Um, walking through doorways or sitting up, sitting down, standing up, whatever you've chosen. As opposed to something responsive like, you know, uh, hearing your iPhone beep or whatever. Um, because in the exploration of this task, as the week progresses, you will start to realize, I mean, some people have mentioned already knowing in advance they're going you know they're 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 you know getting up from their desk or getting up from their chair and they they know they're going to be walking through five doorways that's not quite the intention that's uh that's more a thought that's arising of a um uh a kind of a plan of what's going to be happening so it's the intention is something that happens immediately before something happens so it happens uh, immediately before you sit, stand up or sit down. It happens immediately before you reach. It happens immediately before whatever it is that you're doing. It's, it's, it's a split second before. So it's a very subtle uh, experience. But you can begin to see this particularly around this task, 
the um, as the week progresses, as you begin to land more and more on the actual experience of standing up or sitting down or going through doorways, there will be um, a moment where you begin to recognize, for instance, you're, you're sitting at your desk, you know, and you've chosen standing up for your, uh, for your task. And you're sitting there, and in the moment... Um, before you get up, because you are kind of attuned to the to the getting up, some, at some point you'll just kind of be standing, and kind of awareness will kick in in the act of standing. There you haven't caught the intention, but at some point you'll be sitting down, and there'll be a recognition: I'm about to get up, and it may not occur as a thought like that, but you know you'll know you're about to get up before it happens. And in that moment, you, you have a, a, a possibility of also seeing why you're getting up. You know, it's the, the, the motivation for the tasks that, are, that, that, you're choo- that you've chosen often are probably pretty neutral. I mean, you're, you're going through a doorway because you've got a kind of an, a larger intention to get someplace else. But the, the, the purpose of going through this doorway, you know, the immediate momentary intention and motivation of going through this doorway is connected to that larger intention. It, it may not be so much that there's a, a momentary intention connected with going through that doorway. If we come, come back to the, the, the standing up, for instance, you know, you might be sitting at your computer and, what, you know, you might have a series of things that happen and you can start to notice this thirst arises you've been sitting at your desk for a couple hours thirst arises the the desire to get a, a drink follows the plan the intention to go get a drink comes up and the intention to move follows out of that so you can kind of see how it begins to be just causes and conditions arising that create the um, the sequence of events. So this also begins to point to the cause and effect nature of our experience in general. When we can see intention, we really begin to see how body and mind interconnect. We see that you know, body, for instance, thirst, impacts the decision to move. So there's the body, the thirst, conditions the desire for water, which is a mental experience. And then the desire for water, which is a mental experience, conditions the impulse to move, which is a mental experience, which then conditions the moving, which is a bodily experience. So it's you know, kind of like this alternation of mental and physical. And the intention is kind of the choice, that the point that links body and mind. It's kind of the, the place where they connect. So as we begin to explore our um, daily tasks, you might be, begin to be able to touch into this intention in your daily lives. Now this is, I kind of think of this as a training wheels exercise. I mean, what, what's the point of, of seeing why we, we get up for you know, or why we sit down or why we walk through doorways. Well, partly because this, you know, to, to begin to get familiar with this choice point, what does it feel like? 
It helps us to be able to see it in places where it's more important for us, places where uh, you know, the choice is motivated out of some kind of unskillful um, action. So for instance, now this is a, a small unskillful action, perhaps, but nonetheless helpful to be able to see this kind of thing. Uh, so you're sitting at your desk and you've been working at the computer and you know your internet freezes and you just start to get frustrated. And frustration builds and then there's this kind of aversion to sitting in front of your computer and you get up out of that sense of frustration and aversion, kind of throwing yourself out of the chair. Oh, I can't stand this anymore. Now that um, moving then, that standing has been conditioned out of an unwholesome impulse, the, the, uh, the impulse of aversion and frustration. Now again, it's a, it's a small thing. It's not likely to hurt anybody except your own mind that you are conditioning aversion by acting on it. But in the, in the place of being able to see it, to see that aversion is arising and frustration is arising, before you move, you have a choice. Now, I'm not saying what you should do is sit in front of the computer and stay frustrated. But you can, in that moment, recognize that frustration is appearing and connect instead, okay, really acknowledge that, know what the frustration feels like and connect instead with the sense of kind of like, okay, this is a little too much for me at this moment, so I'm going to get up and take a break so I can clear my mind and come back to this with a clearer mind. That's kind of more of a motivation of compassion for the getting up, of kindness to yourself. So the same action that we do can have different motivations. So that's, uh, that's just a few thoughts about, um, those are the ones that occur to me at the moment, <laughs> about intention. And now I'd like to uh, just check in with those of you who um, didn't get a chance to speak yesterday morning. Um, would you be willing to start? <laughs> and don't forget to say your name my name's Ron and I had originally uh, thought about answering the telephone but uh, that is uh, that didn't work very well for me uh, and uh, so I think I'm going to try that uh, getting up the standing up standing up yeah that sounds more realistic because every time that telephone rings I'm responding to the ring, I'm not choosing to, I mean, it's automatic response. Right. Uh, however, it does a lot for uh, thinking about my speech. It does, actually, and that's yeah. a really good point because, you know, while hearing the phone ring, it is, it's not, it's not so much that you're choosing. I mean, you actually do choose to respond or not. Yes. But if you can, you know, actually one, one thing I sometimes suggest for people is when the phone rings, let it ring a couple times. Sit there and breathe. Know you're going to be speaking so that it can help the mindfulness of speech. Is One that thing I noticed, uh, I have, everybody has call, uh, caller ID, and so I, I recognize some of these numbers, and I already have preconceived messages <laughs> <laughs> for these people, especially repeat callers. And so uh, I'm finding myself trying to uh, clear myself of these preconceived notions, because a lot of times when they're calling, I'm thinking they're going to complain, 
I may only want to order something. You know? uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure that may come across in my voice. So now I'm trying to clear that out and be uh, more in the present moment. That sounds like great practice. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, uh, thank you. Let's see. Um, Bill. Oh, just did it. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting or standing? (laughs) Sitting. What makes this a, a little bit funnier is that um, uh, I, I chose sitting down in my chair uh, from the beginning and, and didn't manage to uh, notice myself doing that until sitting down for breakfast this morning. Mm-hmm. The, um, but so did you remember that you had forgotten? Just now? No, in, in various times through yesterday. Did you remember that you hadn't been remembering? Not much. Not much, but at Not all. Much. Yeah. Yes. I okay. Guess. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my my brief uh, uh, action that I do many times a day. The the other uh, the chore, so to speak, uh, that uh, takes several minutes or a few minutes isn't really a chore. Is um, I resolve to be mindful while eating a meal. And, uh, That's a great one. I'll talk about that in a minute. Oh, please do, uh, if I may. Go ahead. Uh, and and uh, didn't manage to um, to um, remember to be mindful during my meal until uh, uh, right after I noticed sitting down and uh, this morning, and, and and then I really tried to notice every bite for breakfast. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, so it's so so I'm, I'm not remembering be mindful during these two tasks very well. But the neat thing is that um, I'm remembering to be mindful at many other times during the day. It's, well, that's, it's funny how that kicks in. That is what, I mean, that's the point of these exercises. I mean, somehow it seems like having these structured exercises brings up mindfulness more through the day. And that's the point. <laughs> that's why I suggest these things. So what are you noticing at other times in the day? Oh, um, I just just stop sometimes and just remember to notice the texture of everyday life, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. the three dimension, the three dimensionality of of existence, and my moving through 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 space, and um, the sunlight, quality of the air. Um, um, I, I just allow things to look beautiful and and to notice that. Uh huh. That sounds great. How about the speech side of things? Um, um, I don't. I a little. I'm. I feel like I'm being more mindful of that without necessarily remembering. Oh, be mindful of that. Uh-huh. I, it just seems to be kicking in. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Just sort of uh, regularly. I, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Bill. So far. Thank you, Bill. Uh, let's let the people who didn't get a chance to report yeah, first. Okay. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, and I wasn't feeling well yesterday, and I wasn't feeling well last night. Anyway, 
Um, so that's why it got messed up. Um, so for my... Um, I was having trouble choosing about the regular task, which I didn't report to you yesterday. You may or may not be aware of that. But So I'm gonna, I, was, I was trying to pick something different from last time, but then I have all these concerns about reporting on certain things that might not be neutral enough. Uh-huh. Let me put it in that way. Uh-huh. So then I thought, okay, go back to what you did before, which was, you know, I, I wanted to do something new, actually, but I go back to the brushing of the teeth which was kind of complicated. It's actually very complicated for me because I have multiple things that I do and uh-huh. steps and different, different, uh, different uh, things that I use to clean the teeth and all. So it's quite a, quite a, quite a long ritual, five minutes at least uh-huh. or more. Good, good. Uh-huh. So I didn't really do that as mindfully because I hadn't really formally chosen it, although I, I have been kind of doing it. So I can probably easily go back into it because I did it before. I notice once you, that's what you talked about, once you, you've chosen a task before, it's easy to, to go back yes. into that. And that's quite a blessing in my opinion. So um, I'm grateful for that. And um, let's see, what was the other thing? The walking through doors. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to report. Can I report sure. on that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because um, I I picked that before, and I also I was I've kind of been I was doing it on my own on a regular basis also before the retreat, and I was kind of reminding myself I was reflecting on the three characteristics mostly when I came out of my front door. This was in the past, and now whatever it is, my health or whatever, it's becoming. Now, I can't do it through every door because it's too burdensome. But I, when I go out in the past, I was doing that. Now, I'm not doing that as much. Now, I'm just trying to be aware of when I go out the door. Okay, so the, Any the door. reflection was too burdensome? Or? To this time. Okay. Because uh-huh. whatever it is that my health is, keeps changing. Um, but I don't remember in the past whether I noticed... Other doors, and now I noticed other types of doors. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I'm wondering whether I noticed that before, or maybe this is new now. So I realized, you know, yesterday one time I got on the bus and I thought, this is actually a door. Yes. <laughs> you know, even though it doesn't open and look like a regular door, it's still a door. Yeah. And I thought that's very interesting. Yeah, you, you'll find a lot more doors. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I was in the library and I went into the restroom. I go, this is another type of door. Yes. Yes. And when I got out of the shower, I thought, this is another door. <laughs> it's a glass door. <laughs> and you just went through it. You, you, better, you better be aware of this. Uh-huh. Be aware that... And, and this is, can get very exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, what I'm realizing is that, you know, every time, and I've, you know, I've heard other people talk about this, it's very valuable, is that every time I go through a door, you know, I'm going into a different environment. And also, I'm, I'm really grateful and appreciate your tip this morning. It's like, you know, start noticing, you know, what you're thinking, your intentions, you know, 
You're going through a door, meaning that you're changing environments, you know, get with it, you know, start becoming aware of that. And I, you know, and I try to be mindful too, like when I'm in these other environments, when I'm, and so that's, I don't know, maybe that's another exercise and that might be, <laughs> that's well, a lot, I mean, it, it, we're talking about more mindfulness, you know. Well, that's, that's and the I'm, point. It's kind of spread out, right, you know, it's that, like, okay, I'm in the shower, okay, I try not to, you know, I don't, it's, it's very, I've said this before, it's very dangerous to not be mindful. And, it, you know, really, for me particularly. So I really need to be aware when I'm in the shower, you're in the shower, you know. And, you know, all this, the more mindfulness, the better. You know? Absolutely. I'm telling you. So it's, it's just, you know. But it is helpful just to focus on the door and be aware. And I notice that when I start slipping into one of the obsessions, you know, which is related to whatever trauma that I'm working through that's been re-triggered for different reasons, I knew, I knew this before on an intellectual level. Now I'm embodying this awareness that it's, um, I'm slipping out of embodiment and going into thinking. Uh-huh. And that's dangerous. So you, you, get, you have a physical felt sense of that slipping? Well... Are you getting familiar with that feeling of slipping into the obsession? Yeah, I mean, it's like, no, I'm, I, quote, I, unquote, whatever that is, um, that the awareness is that the awareness is the focus is going from being embodied to being, you know, embalmed, no, uh, in the brain. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, it's like embalming because it's like you're dead when you're, when you're, out, of, when you're out of mindfulness, when you're out of, when you're out of the embodiment, you're, you're nowhere. You're, you're, in, you're in your thinking. And, um, and I notice it quite a bit, and I keep telling it, stop it, stop it. Stop thinking, you know, trying to stop it. But, you know, like what Gil says is that you have to deal with the underlying fear or whatever it is that's generating the thoughts. And he goes, you know, he says something like, you know, it's like a thought generating machine, you know, it's that this. So, you know, I have to go back to whatever technique that I'm using and I have to keep going back over and over. And you have to deal with it. The obsession means that the feelings or whatever the issues, they're still there and they're waiting to be dealt with one way or the other. Right. So what you said about mindfulness spreading out, that is true. I mean, that's part of what begins to happen around these tasks often, or as Bill mentioned, that just kind of more, um, you know, just more moments of mindfulness become apparent to us throughout the day. And so our mindfulness begins to spread more throughout the day. And that also is part of the point, so that we can begin to be a little more continuous with the mindfulness as we go through the day. So that's great. And, you know, the, the, um, you know, the fact that you're seeing more doors, that's, that's also part of the mindfulness getting stronger. Now, one piece that... Um, I want to just check in with you about and just have everybody have the reflection on this is around whether it feels like a burden to have this mindfulness practice. Um, You know, when you notice that you're walking through doorways, are you picking up the mindfulness as a burden to have to carry with you? If you're doing that, let it go. Just let it go. Allow the practice to be more around 
getting familiar with the, the kind of mindfulness that comes into being effortlessly. You know, that moment when we wake up into mindfulness, in that split second when we wake up into mindfulness, it doesn't, it doesn't take any effort whatsoever. It's just happened. And that is the kind of level of effort that we can learn how to carry through the day with our mindfulness. So it doesn't have to feel like, you know, okay, we're picking up the mindfulness and putting it on our back and carrying it around <laughs> with us. It's, it's much more of a just meeting the mindfulness, the moments of awareness that come to us. It's more like allowing. It is more like allowing, yeah. yeah. The last thing I want to say is that it's kind of shocking to me is the more I'm mindful, the more mindful of how other people are not. And, you know, that's a little frightening to me. Um, when I was in Watch for judgment in that area. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I don't know if, if, if that's being shocked. Is that a judgment or... Well, it... it or um, surprised or... or there well, might be judgment under there. Yeah, okay, that, I'll, just I'll check into check, that. Check for judgment. I'll yeah. check for that. But, um... Oh. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like judging. I don't, I'm judging myself for judging. <laughs> Isn't that nice? Uh, you know, so I was in this group, and it was a small area, and I was like astonished because it was in this church, and there was this huge, like, two-foot two heart, and it was filled with incredible large flowers, and they were real flowers, and so I went up to it, and I was, like, looking at it and smelling it, and I was like, I can't believe this, you know. This is, like, you know, a $300 arrangement. And it's, like, all the people that were in the group, they're just, like, going around, and they're, like, they're not even looking at it. It's, like, it's not even there. And I was like, I just, I just felt really, I felt sad. I felt really sad that they had, that they were so into their own stories and things you don't, you don't know, actually, what was happening in their minds. No, but that's they my story. They might have been mindful of something other than the flowers. Yeah. So, you know, do take care with, with judgment when you, you see what appears to be other people being not mindful. I mean, in large, large measure, people walking through the world are walking through the world asleep. And um, Well, that was my observation. Yeah. <laughs> but, but to um, take care that... I mean, that I felt sad that they couldn't see. There's not greed or aversion around that. I mean, just notice whether there is kind of judgment and aversion, or a sense of I'm so great that I'm being mindful. You know, that that there's some kind of comparing and judging going on. There might be some of that happening. (laughs) Thank you, Sophie. Thank you, Roseanne. Is that your name, Roseanne? Hi, I'm Roseanne, and so for my task, um, I chose sending an email, and um, and for my chore, I chose uh, showering. But um, I've been practicing mindfulness um, and increased awareness for quite some time now, 10, 15 years. So I'm finding at first it was a little limiting, but now I'm finding nuances. Like there are certainly higher levels that I can take it to, greater awareness, higher connection with consciousness, or deeper connection with consciousness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The one thing I have had a little struggle with in the last few days is um, mindfulness during speech, 
when I'm in conversation with someone that is um, like their attention is scattered. So you see that through the way that they're... They can't hold a conversation. They're jumping from one subject to another. I had lunch with a brilliant scientist yesterday, but jumped all over the place. And I was having such a hard time trying to maintain you know, mindfulness on the conversation <laughs> because there was so much. So what happened to you? What was your experience? Frustration. Okay. Um, and like I mentioned, like the first day, you know, like I can get into this space where it's really, you know, the uh, left brain, right brain thing, and then I have a hard time accessing. I get into, you know, the feeling mode, and I have a hard time then accessing the language center. Uh huh. And so okay. it was particularly difficult when the subject was changing so frequently. So, um, you know, there's an interesting, this is an interesting exploration, um, what you're talking about. Partly, I think, this, I'm, uh, this is kind of an intuition here, so take it or leave it, depending on, you know, how it, how it lands for you. Um, partly, we, I think, have a sense of what it feels like um, in certain situations to be mindful, where we can kind of carry a thread on particular experience. And when it doesn't feel like that, we think we're not mindful. Or we think we can't be mindful. It's, you know, that we think we, it's, hard, you know, it's hard to be mindful. You know, there, the, the other day, um, my mind was just kind of doing that same kind of thing you're describing about the scientist. It was jumping all over the place. And the, the question that I ask myself when the mind starts to do that is, am I aware? It doesn't, I mean, and, and the answer is yes, I'm aware. It doesn't feel like a kind of a, a smooth thread of mindfulness. But yes, I'm aware of the mind feeling like it's kind of jumping beans. And um, when I just kind of settle back to that, it's like, oh yeah, okay, I'm aware. It doesn't particularly feel very pleasant, but it, there is awareness there. And so take, um, take a, a moment to kind of check in. Is there actually awareness? It just doesn't feel the way that you want it to feel. <laughs> now, it sounds like partly, you know, you could have connected somewhat with the frustration, you know, as, as just being aware of the frustration. Um, but, but, but just to put out there, as we move our mindfulness into our daily life, we find our beliefs around what mindfulness is. You know, we kind of run up against our beliefs. You know, I can't be mindful in this situation. You know, this, this is not a place where mindfulness can happen. Mindfulness can always happen. If you can say to yourself, I can't be mindful, you have enough mindfulness to be mindful. So it, it partly is around seeing what it actually is that the mind is doing with that situation. So asking myself first, am I aware, is just that grounding. Yep, okay, I am aware. Clearly I'm aware. What is it that the mind is aware of? You know, you have some idea perhaps that the mind should be aware of something, like that conversation that he just dropped. That's what I was aware of. (laughs) But now it's like, 
something else. So what are you aware of now? Oh, a feeling of startle or a feeling of confusion. That's what you're aware of. Um, so that the asking those two questions can be really helpful in our daily life to begin to point us to, okay, am I aware? Yes, okay, I'm aware. What am I aware of? I'm not sure what I'm aware of. You know, but just kind of hang out in that space. I know I'm aware. You know, what is it that the mind is doing right now? Oh, it's frustrated. Oh, it's confused. It's startled, whatever it is. And, and, and just know that. And, and don't, you know, there's the, this, uh, this idea that, um, you know, mindfulness feels a certain way or uh, that's mostly what it is for us. It feel, it, it, I think, it, that there's a way that we think it should feel. And um, it really has a variety of feelings to it. So does that, does that resonate for you? Yeah, it's complex. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, and in terms of the, what you said about it being limiting, you know, I'm not trying to limit the mindfulness to these various things. All I'm trying to do is to provide support, particularly for people who haven't had a lot of experience with uh, being mindful. If you have a lot of experience with bringing mindfulness into your daily life, one thing that you might play with is noticing the moment when mindfulness returns. Using that as kind of um, a, one of the places to explore. Um, really, as opposed to the place where you lose it. Well, you can do, you can do both sides. Um, but the place where it comes back is like, it's like a magic moment in a way. You know, because it is effortless. It is a pointer to that spontaneity um, of, of mindfulness. It's a pointer to not self because you didn't do that. It just happened. Um, and it's kind of just like the light comes on. It's like, oh, here I am again. Um, and that moment of remembering actually happens to us a lot throughout the day. And if you can start to get familiar with what that moment feels like, it will point itself out to you. And then there is the side of seeing, you know, when you get lost, you can kind of feel that pull out of the present moment. You can, you, as you get more and more familiar with what it feels like to be aware in the moment, you, and I think Sophia was talking about this a little bit too, that sense of being pulled into the obsession, you know, being pulled into our papancha, our, our proliferating thoughts. Um, there's a felt sense of that. You know, you can, you're aware of something, you know what you're connected to, and you can kind of feel yourself kind of losing. It's like <laughs> losing touch. It's like this magnet is pulling you to some other thing. So you can feel, you can feel both sides. Um, and I find that the, really uh, connecting with uh, that moment of remembering, it, you know, it really points us to many, many beautiful qualities. So... Yeah, thank you, Roseanne. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> you said something funny because uh, I had a conversation with somebody and, and I, I have a random access mind. I don't have a linear mind. So when I talk, I can just jump to something else completely. But to me, it's perfectly logical and I, I, I can make that connection. I know the connection, but the other person doesn't know. And they may think I'm mind, not mindful, but actually I know the connection. Uh-huh. Even though it doesn't, it's not obvious. So when you talk to that person, you may think, well, he's not mindful, but, but in reality, his connections were a little bit more subtle, and he, he thought he was making that connection, but you, you, you know what I'm trying to say? And there's actually a book written about how uh, there's two different types of minds. There's a linear mind, 
and then there's a random access mind. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and actually, it's, it's, it's like structured that way. It's actually wired that way. Uh-huh. And you can't change it. <laughs> I can't change my random access <laughs> mind. <laughs> I'll drive you crazy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, John. Uh, I, I, Liz, would you like to, to share? Um. Thank you. Um, I think I'd like to uh, just pay attention to what's coming up in my body. And, uh, bec- and I'm sort of in the grip of one of those big life events that... Yes. What I'm noticing is uh, how much clinging and how much aversion is cropping up. And so I'm just trying to stay with noticing the clinging, noticing the aversion, and then just being in my body. Yeah, great. Great, thank you. Is that... You know, I don't have to go. It feels I'm you're in the midst of a lot of stuff. Big. Let yourself work with it however feels appropriate for you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, Mary, did you want to say something today? Is anybody else? Well, um, I'm trying to touch in with the people who didn't have an opportunity to talk yesterday. <laughs> so, if you wish, if not, you are welcome to pass. I hadn't really chosen something. And I was also in a cranky mood, so that's why I didn't call you, talk yesterday. Um, so the last time I chose looking at the sky, because I just love to look at the sky, but it wasn't really a thing I had to do, like sitting or standing up. Whenever I just felt like it, I'd look at the sky. So this time I tried to be more disciplined, but I was a little too disciplined. Um, and I really appreciate the people who helped me laugh last night. Because I came in with a notebook of how many times I had walked through a door and how many times I forgot. Because I didn't know if I was doing it right or not. You, and you, it's all your fault. <laughs> because you said, of course, I forgot things. that You, you began by the very light touch. That it's not effortful. Right, that's where I, I to- began. I right. totally forgot that part. <laughs> <laughs> then you said, "Resolve, commit to remember to be mindful. Notice when where you are, tension or ease. Resolve to try again." So the the resolve part is about um, it's kind of setting the intention. So it's it's uh, just to kind of put this in more of a context of the light touch. Um, when you remember you've forgotten, in that moment, it's kind of like just reconnecting with the, with the intention to try again. It's, and that, I use the word resolve for that, and that can feel like a heavy word for some people. Um, but it's not so much that you're, you're just um, you know, telling yourself, I'm going to remember like that. It's more like, I'm going to try again. It's, it's kind of more it got a lighter touch to that resolve. I'm going to try again. That is kind of to oppose the mind which says, oh, I've forgotten all day. Obviously, I can't do this. I'll forget about this. So it's, it's to oppose that mind that just goes, this is too hard, forget it. To, to instead bring in the mind that says, I'm going to try again. Just going to keep trying. So again, it's kind of a light um, resolve, a light touch around that. Um, and it's not so much, as I think I also said the other day, it's not so much the remembering the specific thing. 
I mean, although there are some benefits around that, like the pointing to the intention piece where we can start to look at some more detail and things like that. But partly it's just to have a touchstone so that you will have something to help you realize whether or not you've been mindful. And so in those moments when you uh, remember, oh, I'm walking through a door. Is that what you picked? Or was it sitting and walking through a door? You may in that moment re- realize, oh yeah, and I walked through ten doorways. <laughs> just, that's okay. Just, yep, I, I've got, I notice, I'm noticing this, and I'm noticing how I am, and just, I'm just going to keep trying. And you, you, it's partly pointing you to the fact that, okay, you know, for the last ten minutes, you have been kind of lost, but here you're back. So it, it begins to point to, you know, that the number of times or the frequency that you remember. It's kind of like when you wake up in meditation, when you wake up in um, meditation, remembering that you've forgotten to pay attention to the breath. You know, you may remember you've forgotten 50 times during a, a 30-minute sitting. If you remember you've forgotten 50 times, that's about, you know, once every 35, 40 seconds that you're remembering. That's pretty good. You know, if you remember twice, then, you know, maybe you've been lost in thought for 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, so it just gives you a little bit of a sense of touchstone of how much you are aware to have this regular thing that you, you know about. So it's not, it's not so much to, to measure yourself by or to record, yep, made that one, didn't make that one, made that one, didn't make that one. Um, but, but to... Um, to just kind of give you a sense through your day of how mindful you are. And, you know, some days it'll be a lot of lost in thought. You won't remember much at all. And part of this, too, is learning to have a skillful relationship with the fact that we don't remember. It's hard. This is a really hard practice. So patience is key. Patience of uh, just... You know, just to keep trying, just to keep that gentle, persistent reminding of, I'm going to try to remember, when you, when you remember, to remind yourself. But to really be kind with yourself about it, because it is very hard. And if you use those moments to beat yourself up and say, you know, bad person, bad, bad, try to remember, your mind's not going to want to do it. <laughs> you know? So be very kind to yourself. That, that will encourage more of it. Please don't anybody ask me about doors. I'm switching. <laughs> There's way too many doors. <laughs> <laughs> Bud, do you want to share? Uh, hello, uh, I'm Bud. Uh, I'd like to talk about speech first because I think that was more interesting for me. So I was on a, a family reunion trip last week and... Uh, I had some uh, really interesting speech occasions, uh, the first of which was with my brother, uh, who's, who was deaf-mute, actually. So we didn't carry on a conversation in the normal sense. But uh, his way of conversing um, is to write somebody's name down on a piece of paper and then uh, fill it out with... Uh, all of the vital statistics, state of birth, address, um, 
telephone number, license plate. And then he puts a question mark at the end and passes it over to me. And um, my job in the conversation is to either ask a question uh, about the person or put somebody else's name down with a question mark so that he can fill in the blanks. Um, he's somewhat retarded, so this is his way of, of uh, being in the world. And uh, this is the first time in a long time that it was just he and I uh, doing this. And uh, I realized that uh, we're carrying on a conversation. I'm carrying on a conversation with my brother. And uh, I had a strong sense of intention to, to continue this because I could see that uh, he was reacting in such a way, body language-wise, that uh, he was really digging the connection, uh -huh. actually. There was uh -huh. a lot of communication going on. Uh -huh. So it was uh, nonverbal communication yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. so okay. this was all uh, left brain, yeah. I guess. And uh, I got into it. And my challenge was to find questions to write down about people that he might have to search a little bit to get the answer. And this went on for probably a half an hour, actually, until it was time for us to move on to something else. So um, it was a really interesting speech scenario. And I was mindful all the time of you know, what we were doing, what we were doing. Um, the, second, uh, the second episode uh, in the same vein was a visit to my elderly aunt, who's 94 years old. And uh, I get to see her once or twice a year. And uh, for the first time, uh, she's exhibiting signs of dementia. Mm. Okay. So uh, she knew who I was but she was really unclear about uh, the rest of my family. And she greeted me with, uh, well, where are your two boys? Well, I don't have two boys. But I realized that, once again, intention, uh, I need to meet her where she is, actually. And I need to respond in such a way that uh, we can continue the conversation, that it's not going to startle her or make her upset. And uh, so my challenge throughout the conversation was to come up with a response that would handle it, okay? So uh, where are your two boys? Gee, I'm not sure. I don't know where they are. <laughs> are you going to have dinner with them tonight? Well, maybe. <laughs> so it went on like that, and uh, I really, uh, you know, I really got to enjoy the communication because uh -huh. it was challenging. Uh, there was a, an element of, uh, I had to be mindful uh, not, to, not to challenge her in this. Mm -hmm but to be creative enough to, to keep it going without disturbing her. Yeah. Uh -huh. And uh, there was a lot. There was just a lot. And, uh, you know, this went on for uh, 
again, about, about a half an hour, off and on. And then, you know, we'd be watching television. Uh, she loves to watch the Golden Girls. And, uh, and every once in a while, she'd look at me and come up with another question, you know. Um, so, you know, these were examples. So when I got home, actually, and had a conversation with my wife, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was really <laughs> interesting. Uh, it had its challenges. I'd been away for, for a bit. And uh, I was easily able to, to meet her where she was, actually, because it was a hell of a lot more rational. Although <laughs> <laughs> <a> challenging. <laughs> so, you know, this, uh, this was an example of, of mindful speech, which uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, really taught me a lesson. You, you really have to meet people where they are, to begin with, at least. And then if you're going to persuade them of something, uh, you just sort of have to take everything into consideration. You know, their mindset, uh, their ability to respond and receive, right. and your intention to deliver. Right, the timeliness piece kind of fits in there. Mm. And, um, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was, uh, that was speaking, and uh, that's, that's still going on uh, in various dialogues that I'm having. Uh, in terms of the, uh, the mindfulness. I want to just check back. It sounds like because of those experiences, it was, it was actually easier for you to, to be mindful moving into talking with your wife. Is exactly. That, yeah, 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 exactly, right. And uh, <clears throat> so the mindfulness piece, uh, the, I chose one of them. Uh, I use a neti pot to irrigate my nostrils in the morning and the evening. And uh, that's a whole ritual, actually. Uh, but the part I chose was actually the water coming in and irrigating the sinuses. Uh, because, again, it's, uh, uh, it's very experiential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, but it's also discursive. It's, it's like, uh, all right, is there enough water here to get the job done? <laughs> Am I getting the job done? You know, what's evaluating the result? Uh-huh, things uh-huh. like that. Uh, so, so, okay, so it's complex. It's not just yes, the, the yes. physical that you're paying attention to. You're right. kind of bringing in the whole of all of the thoughts that have to go into that too. That's right. great because yeah. that's there's a whole gestalt around that. Yeah, that I mean that. I, I encourage that um, noticing of the thoughts as well, because in our daily lives, and I think I said this. You know, we do need to. begin to be mindful of thoughts. You know, that's in our sitting practice. We let them go in our daily lives. We need to be able to to bring those in. So that sounds like a great one. Yeah. And then the uh, repetitive task here in the day is uh, my usual one of pressing the start button on my Prius. And really the challenge challenge there is remembering to do it, actually, because usually, you know, I walk up to the car, I open the door, and I'm thinking about where I've got to go and how much time do I have to get there and all like that. And, and uh, usually it's, it's just an automatic reflex to press the button to get the car going, and then it's, oh, I forgot, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, uh, and so on. So I'm trying to incorporate into my mindfulness of what's going on uh, the thought, that uh, the intention that uh, the button you know, uh-huh. touches the button. Right, right. And that, that, again, it sounds like it could move into uh, kind of the realm of being aware more of the thoughts. You know, the whole realm of, you know, planning and thinking about where you're moving towards. Um, you know, that it, some of that can be unnecessary, but some of it is also, 
you know, just part of our day, part of what we do. Yeah. So that's that's my story. Well, thank you, Bud. And it's nine o'clock. So thank you, thank you all. <laughs>